Good evening, you are listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney. Joining me today, we have two members of the original Rome Total War development team, Creative Assemblies, Kevin McDowell and Guy Davidson. Obviously, that means today we're going to be talking about Rome Total War uh, in its its context within the series and its legacy in the years since, leading to Total War Rome Remastered, which comes out later this month. Uh, Kevin, Guy, I wanted to talk about the development of Rome Total War. Um, it was released in early fall 2004, and Medieval Total War had just been released two years earlier, but there's a chasm between the two games in terms of design aesthetics technology uh for me there have been really very few games where i felt like they were actually at the limit of what is possible when they came out and rome is one of them rome is one of those sort of landmark experiences for me but i'm curious uh how did it feel from the inside of that project uh can you tell us a bit about where you were in your careers at that moment what track you were on and how you approached it yep uh well i mean the first interesting thing to note is that uh, Rome and Medieval started a month apart. Um, so I can't remember which one was first, actually. Medieval was first. Was it? Yeah. Um, so Medieval was the follow-on to Shogun 1. Uh, it was the Shogun 1 team, for the most part, working on that, uh, with one or two exceptions. Uh, so the Rome team was cobbled together <laughs> oh kevin who <laughs> <laughs> was hanging about um we just finished the rugby game we just finished rugby world cup and uh jerome grasdyke who was the uh he was responsible for rugby balls basically for rugby ball physics and stuff like that he um made a start on he had some ideas about how rome could be rendered and how we could improve the engine overall um, so he made a start on this, uh, and Kevin is right, it was almost in parallel with Medieval. Medieval was going to be the quick product that would use the, um, use the old, you know, use the code from Shogun. So it wasn't a reskin, but there was a, a big leg up, whereas Rome was a brand new code base. So, and the model was, Medieval was an evolution, whereas Rome to Rome was a revolution. Yeah, and all the art techniques we used on Rome were also completely new now i started actually when i started at ca um, i started just a, maybe six months before rome kicked off and i was working on uh, australian rules football i think it was mm. um and we were all working on that and then we got to alpha and then uh, the e ea was the publisher uh, and then ea canned the game without actually having seen it which was amazing um and the reason being that we were it was a playstation uh, port and they just decided to at that point like PlayStation One, so they decided to stop uh, PlayStation One development. So um, one or two people who were working on Shogun, uh, plus me and Guy and Jerome, a few other programmers, we all joined together to start working on Rome, and we did start with that. Um, uh, sorry, Guy, what was that called again? The Jerome was working on the, the was it? The rugby game? Rugby. Yes, rugby. I think that's what you were working yeah. on as well. I think you actually work on the rugby. No, rug no, I was working on something else. I was really? Maybe it was, I don't know. Maybe it was that. <laughs> well, rugby and Australian rules football, they're not too dissimilar. Is it? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> so the, very, the very first incarnation uh, of Rome, our like, first kind of pitch at it was we made some Roman soldiers and we made a, a Colosseum instead of a, you know, rugby 
pitch or whatever it was. Um, and so we actually had the Romans running around playing, you know, rugby. Yeah, playing rugby. So uh, is there an alternate universe where EA keeps its port of a rugby game going and Rome doesn't happen or Rome doesn't happen with um, that team? That could, I suppose that could have happened. We were pretty, pretty close to the end of that project, though. Yeah. So, actually, maybe, I don't know, maybe not. I don't think so, because, because Jerome, Jerome, had moved off, Jerome had moved off from rugby entirely and was saying, right, let's do this now. And, and Tim Ansell said, yep, yeah, all right, let's do this. Yeah, yeah. So, there weren't an enormous, there weren't a huge number of people on, um, on, on, on rugby at the time. So, yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was kind of, we pre, it was destined. Yes. Yeah, it was destined to happen. So one of the things I wanted to ask about is obviously Rome Total War was one of those games that like, you know, I'm, I'm remembering back, like this game marketed itself. I remember the first screenshots coming out where if you'd gotten used I, to, I, I probably made the, those screenshots. Yeah, you probably did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and like, I think there was something I, I love the old sprite figures from the, uh, the first two games. Uh, I love the aesthetics of those two games, but in like 2003, when the marketing machine was spinning up and in 2004, the notion that you would see like full legions deployed in the ranks, like individual 3d character models, uh, was just absolutely mind blowing. And when I get the game, it, it, it sort of, the shots weren't a lie. Like that was the game. It did, it did have that feel. And to me, it felt like Shogun and Medieval had already felt like such cutting edge stuff compared to what was happening in war games and strategy in a lot of ways that, uh, Rome seemed impossibly advanced at the time. And my little college, uh, PC agreed. Uh, I, I struggled mightily to, to keep up with that game. Um, but, but I am curious, like on the, on the development side, like, was it as much of a reach for you? Like, it, like had there, had there been stuff technologically, uh, changing behind the scenes enough that suddenly this was more feasible than it appeared. Technically, it certainly was a reach. It was a big reach. It was a very big reach. Um, one of the things that characterized Creative Assembly back then was that it was it was run by the programmers. Um, well, <laughs> Kevin, would you like to disagree? <laughs> well, Tim Ansell was a programmer. Yeah, sort, sort of. You know, um, it, it kind of it was run by the programmers. It, it, no, Tim Ansell was a programmer um and mike simpson's backgrounds in, in programming as well but they didn't they, they they had a funny relationship with the artists yes it's like we had all kinds of leeway because we were artists yes absolutely yeah but the um the, the i suppose the technical leadership driving the company meant that we we would just reach for things we didn't have people saying oh no that can't be done that's too risky um, and that's not something that's that, that's not a privilege that we find extended to us now. I don't think not not not, not to the same scale because it, it really was a massive leap going from going from sprites to three D figures, and it was there really was a sense of yeah yeah we'll do it it'll be fine. Well, we we proved it in that in the in the rugby engine. Didn't yes, we? <laughs> yes, we, got, we we had twenty two people on not twenty two idiots thirty three yeah. people on the on the pitch running around. Yeah. It was fine. Just scale exactly. it up. It's easy. Yeah. <laughs> So I think one of the other things that stands out for me is I remember being in the Shogun and being medieval. Uh, there, w like, 
that was a strategy gamers game. Like people, like the people who love those games, love them. But it wasn't like that was mainstream uh, gaming. People weren't super aware of it outside of our little our little group. And post Rome, I think Total War is much closer to being what it is now, which is like one of the major like franchises in games. Internally, did Creative Assembly realize that like this was the moonshot? Like this would change the trajectory of this franchise? Nah, not, not, not even slightly. No, we, the thing was, we were only looking. For, you know, looking, we were just looking for the next release and the next blob of money from the publisher, mm. and then we do another game and get the next blob of money from the publisher, and it would just carry on like that. That's that. That's how Creative Assembly worked back then. It was privately owned by Tim. He said, yeah. "Right, I'm going to grab all the money from my house and from my savings and from my family and from their families, and we're going to run the company for a bit and produce a game, and then bang, there we yeah. are." Yeah, and there were there were times, you know, Tim Tim didn't really tell any of us at the time, but there were times when CA was like a hair's breadth. We were days like away. Bust. Yeah. yeah. So could you feel that tension in the no, air? Like, cause no, Tim was Tim was magnificent. Tim's the coolest cucumber on the planet. Yeah, you don't want to be on. Yeah, don't play poker. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. usually because there's a lot of studios that that was a very common fate for a lot of studios back then. Oh, but yeah, obviously, absolutely. like you talk to people there, a lot of people know that they're in a Dread Pirate Roberts, we could all be dead at dawn uh, type situation. Mm-hmm. If if you guys were insulated from that, that's actually pretty and, impressive. And you know what? T- Tim was like, he, he, even under those circumstances, he would only accept an amazing deal from a publisher. Like he would rather the company sank than he got a rotten deal. Yeah, yeah, that was his mindset. Yeah, he was he he was he's one of a kind certainly. Yeah. Um, and he really, you know, and he I can't speak highly enough of Tim, frankly. You know, he 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 let it all happen. Yeah. So it it's funny though hearing that y'all didn't realize that this would change the fortunes of the studio of the series because when I played it, it seemed like such a ready-made hit and in particular the uh we just recorded a show on this uh, for the Patreon feed. We've been talking about Gladiator a lot on, on uh, Three Moves Ahead of late. And there's a huge Gladiator influence on that movie. Like the pre-battle speeches are are pure Gladiator, <laughs> yeah. uh, including the, com- the comedic ones, I think, are, are hysterically yeah. funny uh, yeah. when, when you're out – when the odds are against you and your general is bad. Um, the sort of fatalist, well, I guess we all got to go out there and get our asses kicked uh, speech. This stuff is great, but when I, I remember – at the time, and especially looking back on it now, it just seems like it is such a savvy product in terms of tapping into the groundwork that had been laid by a film like Gladiator, uh, by that sort of gust of uh, Rome enthusiasm yeah. uh, back then. And so, like, from the outside, I guess, when I, when I look at the final product in 2004, I'm like, oh, this is absolutely creative assembly, like, identifying their moment and completely catapulting uh, the series into the mainstream. We got lucky, really, you know, um, because we started, you know, it was 2001 when we started making it. And and Mm. I remember when... Yeah, 2001. Yeah, I remember when Roman stuff started happening and there was this kind of, oh, look, brilliant. Sorry? Yeah, 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 2000, I think it was. 2000? Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah, mid, yes, you're like, quite right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I left because I first left yeah. in 2001, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. it was autumn 2000, summer autumn 2000. Yeah. But at the time, you know, Rome, you know, the Roman period was just just as exciting as it normally yeah. was. And it was. I remember yeah. in 2002, 2003, suddenly, you know, 
people started getting hot about Rome. And we thought, yeah. oh, this is, this is great. We're, you know, yeah. we better finish this game before it's it all cools down. Timing. You know? Yeah, lucky timing. Uh, but we approached it, you know, we want to make a cinematic game. Oh. Um, certainly from my side. And also, like, you know, me and the rest of the team, we just want to make something awesome as well. And we really thought we could. So that was got to be part of it. Yeah. So can you tell me a little bit about where you two both were in your careers at that moment? Um, you know, in terms of where you stood within the team, I, I'm sure like Total War productions now are, are huge, right? Like I'm sure the team sizes are enormous compared to what they were, the complexity. The size of the UI team at the moment is larger than the size of the entire programming team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so th this is the thing. Like yeah. when I think it's it's hard to it's such a different scale now. I'm curious, like where you sat within the project, but also like how much creative input did you get a chance to get? Like how much access did you have to the leads? Uh, you know, at, at that time we were the leads. Well, I was they, the lead anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there were ten programmers. Um, yeah, which was great because we could all we could all shout at each other and all be heard. You know, there was no there was no getting up to go to another room to get some information. We were just all there, which was I was I was the lead artist. So yeah, so it was your you got to sort of set the aesthetic direction of the uh, of the game. What was your, what were your inspirations uh, like when you were when you were looking at what the because it's very easy to take for granted, like oh Rome looks a certain way. I Rome to the war set yeah. that to some extent for games yeah can i can i say i don't know what my inspirations were it's like we're just a fun at the time it was it was a lot more seat of the pants development and we're just like making stuff and like trying to get it to come together and we wanted to i guess it ended up it's quite a colorful um yeah. quite a colorful game although at one point i it was um we actually okay guy we actually finished a year before you guys um, <laughs> yes i remember so i remember it was just you and nick t in the corner just doing things uh, no, me, me and joss it joss, was me and joss yeah yeah, yeah. Jo um, joss and i he's uh he's still at ca um principal ui artist um so we spent a year the two of us uh, actually all the other artists had left the team at that point and joss and i spent a year just tweaking and polishing the, the entire the entire game yeah. <laughs> so it so in that year um uh, uh joss redid all the ui and to get its own kind of uh, uh well all the in-game ui i did i did the front end he did that he did the um in-game stuff um and so he got that aesthetic right of a kind of sort of clean marble sort of grayish marble look to it uh, and then i did a pass on all of the um terrain and i remodeled every single building in the game and then finally yes <laughs> to uh optimize them for speed that was one and and also just to unify like it was quite a i don't know it's it's kind of relative like relatively simple um blocks of color but textured color i don't know i don't know if i uh, even have enough distance for that project yet to kind of analyze the art direction mm. i mean from a coding point of view I, I was i wasn't a lead i i joined the company in 99 um to work on the rugby game and also to help teach everybody c plus um because i think rugby was the first c plus game that we wrote 
and we just took everything straight into into Rome Total War. And that code base was a C plus plus code base from the outset. And back then, that was what that was seen as a slightly bold move. Um, but as time went on, you know, it it worked. People, I mean, it didn't stop people writing bad code. They're still well. What was everybody using before that? C. C. Yeah. yeah. C. And and you know before that assembly. Um, but yeah, we're yeah. into C plus plus, and it did. C++ does allow you to break things down a little more easily into um, it allows people to it allows larger teams to work together because you know 10 people was a large team for us back then 10 programmers was you know wow how are we going to manage how are we going to stop treading on each other's toes um, so I I carried on with my sort of teaching role all through Rome and even now you know 20 years yeah. later I'm still at it you know? yeah, exactly <laughs> Carrying on, and actually, I'm looking at the. I've got the credits in front of me. Most of the code team is still. Yeah, more than half uh, the code team is still there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How much were hardware requirements part of the conversation in terms of like scoping this thing? Because like, I remember I had an okay PC, but still, Rome was like kind of a mighty program to i remember getting the the uh the disc caddy uh to install rome and uh it was just as cd sizes were about to explode in terms of how many discs it required to get a game installed but i remember uh it was an imposing machine there were a lot of epic battles i had where like i just sort of had to be like this is an awesome battle and i'm not going to sweat the fact that it's running at like eight fps like yeah. this is just gonna be my experience and i'm curious how much because graphics tech was so fluid in the late 90s and mid 2000s that like how do you approach the the problem of the pc gaming landscape is starting to look so different just year by year uh at this moment how, how much did that weigh on the uh, production mm. i think that was the you know the, the turning point that allowed us to do this game um that's the number one thing uh, about it. Um, People were putting and, graphics cards in their PCs. Um, yeah, you know, it, it, it was it was becoming just a normal thing to do. Um, yeah. There was still a broad range of CPU speeds and of you know of the amounts of RAM you might have on your motherboard. Um, and we did have to accommodate, you know, diff, you know, quite. We knew we had to accommodate old hardware, but and it was very hard to survey what that range of hardware was. Well, this was before Steam, so we couldn't just simply go to the Steam hardware survey and say, right, okay, so 2.3% of people are not running on Windows 10. You know, we, we couldn't make those kinds of judgments, so we, we just had to decide, well, here's a, here's a broad swathe of hardware. Let's just make it run on there, and we can you know, maybe put fewer units on for slower, older machines and things like that. And, and from from my point of view, as far as like making the art content go, it was quite new to be doing this sort of stuff on PC. But I've been working on PlayStation games for about three or four years before that, so it was just you know, and PlayStation, like I mentioned before, PlayStation One died, and then but really we were we kind of started off with those same techniques of making art as as I've been doing on PlayStation One, so just a lot more of it. Mm. The techniques were pretty much the same. Yeah. So one of the things that I remember about Rome Total War, and it took me a while to realize that this was happening because it was so uh, sort of mind-blowing when I first encountered it, is that it did start to dawn on me, like, as I played more and more games of it, that, like, 
there were parts of it that still seemed very much like the shift to 3D had created some problems that hadn't yet been solved. Like, uh, in particular, I remember the strategy map. I felt sometimes like I was the only, like, solid player on the strategic layer. Uh, the AI seemed to have real trouble uh, with that. And there was enough, like, smoke and mirrors to, like, you know, once you hit that Roman Civil War, it didn't really matter if the other AI factions sucked. Like, you still had a good end game. Um, and I remember that the battles felt very much, um, no, knowing now the rugby connection, I suppose this makes a bit more sense, maybe. Mm. But the battles were very scrum-like uh, as well, where, like, the two, the the enemy armies tended to dive toward you. And the battles often had a very um, knife fight in a phone booth. Uh, type of feel uh, to them, <laughs> and I, I guess I, I am I am curious. Like, was there like did the, did the shift to this completely new way of presenting Total War create problems of implementation and execution that like you hadn't encountered before? Uh, uh, so I'll, I'll let Guy answer in a minute because I think mostly for him. But I'm just going to say, you know, if we look at the um, the difference between medieval and Rome two, we're talking two, I think two years apart between those two projects. And so that was two years of us trying to figure stuff out. That's what that two years was spent doing. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah, You're you're absolutely right. Um, I think one of the things that characterizes the battle, you're right. There's a lot of, they are scrum like, but melee combat is much more, interesting and exciting to watch we could have tweaked the ai to be more uh you know ranged combat with um archery and spears and things like that and and, you know obviously we do have cavalry and archery and infantry but infantry battle is what grabs people um i don't know if it was necessarily a design decision but it's just it did seem to just fall out that way that when you get a load of people fighting i mean and certainly it was quite often the case that um I think it was Roman nobles, although they'd ride around on horses, the um, meaningful, you know, the good generals would get off their horses and they'd join in and they'd, they'd mm. get their hands dirty or, well, they'd, actually they'd get, they'd get their, their hands blooded um, and, and actually just, you know, go around giving people a kicking. And yeah. an awful lot of what combat and warfare, what, you know, despite Roman, Roman discipline, an awful lot of combat was just giving the other side a good kicking. Mm. It's funny, uh, one of my... Uh prime references for what what should a battle actually look like um it's and it's hard to find good reference but if you go go and look at some hooligan fights uh, some football hooligan fights you know i think that's about as accurate a picture as we can get yeah his martial discipline is you know it's a remarkably modern you know people talk about roman military discipline and you're thinking well yeah it was it was a little better but you know it wasn't a great big leap mm. you know it's it's interesting you point that out because I think Rome is kind of where I start to notice um, introduced into Total Wars this notion of good unit equals good formation. Um, because in Medieval and Shogun, I recall the units tended to move a bit more like blocks. Um, yeah. And so even bad unit, like bad, like militia type units, they might break early, but they still maintain good order. Rome is the first game where like your army started to feel, and you can see this much more because you have the 3D uh, models now and there's spacing between the models mm. um, units could feel a little slippery and loose and like they had a bit of inertia and I remember like the first time I got to the end game 
And I start getting like the Praetorian cohorts and the urban cohorts that like maintain perfect order and have special formations. It was like, oh, these guys like completely changed the game because they're just unbreakable walls. Yeah, that, uh, that, that, was, an emergent, that was an emergent property uh, of, of the AI. Um, I'm not sure that we necessarily designed, you know, um, strictness of formation in from you know from the outset but it, it became apparent that oh you know I, I remember a little bit about this actually oh good um, so some of the formation stuff it was was literally we we had a like a two five six by two five six texture and yeah. we put like white dots on the texture to define how they line up in formation um so we had some kind of literal control over it and another another big point about the the, the movement difference between Sh- uh, Shogun and Medieval One uh, versus Rome is that Rome the, the movement in Rome was done in a kind of weird way, which is was driven by the animations rather than driven by code. Um, so the code would say like, okay, uh, move over here, and then but that would all the actual movement would all be driven exactly by the animations, and and that kind of led to probably a more natural looking natural looking but less responsive and that was um, that was straight out of rugby that was clive grattan's code um and yeah you you're right it, it, we had a system in in rugby we had a system where you'd have everyone would have an action you know tackle mm. run um you, you know that all, all all that sort of thing but that was all they had they had an action and then yeah. the animation would be associated with that action. And it was the end yeah. of the animation that would decide what the next play would be on the rugby field. Um, and it did lead to more human, you know, more, more natural looking behavior. Mm. So, but know, it's, it's awkward from a game design point of view. It's horrendously awkward because you can't. It's terrible. Yeah. You, you, the rules become much harder to manufacture. And, and not only that, much harder to, to tweak because then you have to go to the animators and yes. say, you know, that guy who's like turning, could he just. Turn a bit faster, and maybe not. In the, and there's thousands of animations. Yeah, in the game. and we had so much interpolation to you know we, we had to manage all the interpolation between you know yeah. when one action stops and, and another one starts, then the animation that accompanies it has to stop, and a new animation has to start, and then we have to naturally interpolate between the two, and that can interrupt the execution of the action. But what that does end up doing is introducing you know an interesting fuzzy variance that mm. uh, means that you. It, it, it makes the game less mechanistic. Yeah. So I want to give this part its due because I don't think people talk enough. People do not talk often enough about Barbarian Invasion, in my opinion, which ended up being one of my favorite parts of Rome Total War. Like I liked the base game and then yeah. it turns out I like watching Rome burn maybe more than I like building Rome. Oh, yeah. Night, yeah. night yeah. battles. Yeah. yeah, night battles. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and so I yeah. want to talk a little bit about this because again, like this comes out the following fall, but mm. to me I think the thing that jumped out at me was it felt like such a different game. It was recognizably Rome, but it felt like its own thing. Well, uh, let me just say that that was Barbarian Invasion was when we um, started working with CA Australia. Yeah. Uh, so they did most of Barbarian Invasion, and that's why it feels like such a different game. Um, I mean, we worked together on it, but they had a lot of influence on it. And this is also why, by the way, uh, Rome 
and Medieval 2 are so different, um, in my opinion there. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know whether other people think that The Australian not, team worked, worked very heavily on the renderer for Rome as well. They did, yeah. But they did. Yeah. But you're right. They did take on an increasingly large part. And yeah, ultimately, yeah. Medieval Two was theirs. Yeah. So from a con from a content point of view, when we're, like I, they they made quite a, quite a lot of the content on Barbarian Invasion. But yeah, Med Med Two was pretty much their their thing. Mm. Uh, we had we did some of the artwork, but it was the relationship was kind of reversed. They were leading. Yeah, Barbarian Invasion was fun. And when we moved on to Alexander yeah. afterwards, there was that 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 was yeah. all content, and you know the yeah. engineering team was able to mm. just relax a bit because we were yes. absolutely shattered yeah. after three and, years and, of Rome. And when we did these uh, these kind of um, expand alone sort of games or add-ons after a big tentpole like Rome, uh, the team does have more fun because we don't have that grind of trying to get the damn thing working and in shape to go in a box and um because it already works and now we can just make we can polish like the game as it should have been yes. you know yeah absolutely you should be everyone should be playing barbarian invasion and alexander you know yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly so um in terms of the uh legacy of rome within the studio i'm curious did the feel of developing a Total War game change after that? Did the stakes seem noticeably higher because Roman had this success? Um, I'm, just, I'm just curious, like, it was, like to, from the outside, Total War became a much bigger deal. Like, with every release after Rome, it starts becoming more and more of an event. I'm curious if that was also reflected on the development side. Oh, well, we certainly hired more question. people. We hired, yeah, you know, we hired, the teams got, you know, considerably bigger for Empire. Um, I think we were up to about 60 people for Empire. Yeah. Um, I don't have the credits in front of me, but certainly things got larger. Yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily think that that it's, there's more pressure or like the state, you know, the stakes being higher. I don't, that doesn't quite sit right. I think it's, it's difficult to make that assessment because Rome was built by Tim Ansell's company, whereas yeah. Empire was built by Sega's company. Yeah. And that changed all the dynamics of how, you know, we weren't going to the publisher cap in hand. Mm. Um, the publisher bought us in the full knowledge that we knew how to make Total War games and, you know, they were best off leaving us alone and just letting us do that and handing over a game every now and then, yeah. you know. So that, so, so there was a, you know, the, the, the qualitative difference to that development environment did allow us to make the game. Well, having said that, Empire did take longer than it should have done, um, yeah. you, you know, even after all that. We, 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 it, it, took so us a, it, it took us a long time to recover from the Rome pressure cooker. Um, I think we ended oh, up, so, that... certainly on, engineer, on the engineering team, we, did a, we had a 15-month crunch, which um, was extremely punishing. So imagine this. They, they're having a 15-month crunch. Well, all, the art is finished like a year earlier, and it's just me and another artist going, what should we change today? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, was that the? Is that like the? Is that the crunch in Creative Assembly history that like like did that ever happen again at that I scale think you guys or like? Crunch the empire as well, didn't you? We we did rather. I couldn't come. I mean, I I elected not to crunch an empire. Um, 
And I, I, I said, I'm, you know, I can't, I can't do this again. I've got a family. It's, it's just not, mm. <laughs> it's not, it's just not yeah. credible. But certainly Empire was, M- Empire was quite crunchy. But since then, you know, we've got, crunch is a management problem. It's a production problem. It's, you know, it's, it's not an engineering problem or an art problem. It's, it's a, it's a resource allocation problem. And we've got or a so, design problem. Well, yes, I, yes, actually, you're right. Or a design problem. It's a scope. It's a scope problem. Yeah. Crunch is a scope problem. And sometimes you need to go into scope retreats to beat off scope creep. And we just didn't see that. And well, we're so so much better at that now. I am mm. curious. You mentioned that at the time um, that it was sort of a programming and 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 kind of i think you disputed this a little bit but like that it was a programming led company i'm curious in terms of laying the groundwork for project what did change like does does the conversation between the departments change as you begin to figure out what a project looks like well we didn't have designers in rome yeah we didn't have designers until about two years in Uh, you know the the programs were designing it i remember and most of the designers that we did get were kind of ex-programmers anyway I mean, there's Bob. Bob was obviously Bob Smith AI. Was design. Yeah, but yeah, Mike yeah. Brunton was a writer. Jamie Ferguson was was he was more of a writer yeah. than a designer. It, it it was you know we didn't we didn't have designers for ages. I when I when I, I I went away for a sabbatical and returned. And when I returned, I was like, so you know what what's the game meant to be like? And I remember reading this a piece of A4 paper, and that was the design for Rome. <laughs> which maybe that was the magic maybe that was maybe we just all got to interpret because we, we just got a bunch of programmers and artists and made a game but that's why know? it crunched nobody knew when it was finished i couldn't say right this feature is finished <laughs> could somebody sign off this feature please so i well, can work on something else that never happened it. you know we just it did in the art team <laughs> <laughs> i am curious when you when you come through something like that uh on the one hand like Rome is this huge hit and also like a game that people genuinely loved. I I, I don't want to like, I don't think this can be overstated. Like people love Rome in a way that like few other games I think have have attracted that sort of like instant allegiance or, or affection. When you sort of weigh the like commercial success, the relationship people had with it, but also like gruesome crunch and brutal production cycle, like where, like in in retrospect, like you look back across it, where do your feelings come out? Like, does do the rose tinted lenses come in, and uh, you know it's all worth it, or is it a little more ambivalent? Well, that depends who you talk to. Um, for some of us, it was particularly costly. Um, you know, there were long term. You know, I had to make long, you know, long term sacrifices. Um, um, and also, it's probably worth bearing in mind the game wasn't enormously successful when it was first released. It was only after about six months after, because this again, this was before Steam. We had to get patches out because you know it wasn't quite right. It was only after I think the first or people, second patch that it was you know really started taking off yeah. madly. People forget that Rome was not the the best release. Um, yeah, it was it was a bit shaky actually, uh, and you know so we so I think we you know. In you know, in retrospect, it sold loads of copies. Like as in over time, and in initially it was a pretty big hit, but it was only like a million copies or something. You know, in its first year, uh, which was pretty good, but it wasn't like uh, it didn't justify the expense. It didn't you know? justify the you know we we'd have thought you look at something like Half Life, you know, where where the, the the developers were mortgaging their houses and things like that, and they got this massive return. Now we weren't mortgaging our houses, but we were certainly, you know, mortgaging our families. And 
the return wasn't so great. But you know, it 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 transformed. Yeah, it, it it's what's made the company is you know that that massive investment then is is you know continued to be worked on by everybody else. Everyone else has been able to you know magnify that input. Um, so I'm very curious, like. When did did it ever become a like? I, I'm sure reputationally it is obviously a major success, but it never occurred to me that it wasn't a major hit the year it came out. Well, did I think things it change was, the holidays. It kind of was a hit. It was a hit, but it wasn't like it wasn't a breakout hit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, it didn't sell. It didn't sell sell like hotcakes from day one. It was a it was a it was a slow burn. But yeah, yeah once you I, uh, personally, I'm still waiting for the breakout hit. Total War, actually, you know. I'm still like waiting for that 10 million seller. Still yeah. working on getting that. Well, so three, maybe it's three just kingdoms me, sold but... well. Three kingdoms sold very well. Three, indeed. three kingdoms sold well. But from my point of view, we were selling toy soldiers to people, and we're the number one toy soldier seller. We should be selling a lot more. <laughs> I do agree. I do agree. Uh, so, one of the other things that I always sort of felt is that. With Rome, you had this this massive leap in terms of what a Total War game could look like. And after that, it always sort of felt to me like you started to go to this, um, not on-off, because that's the wrong word. There was like, there would be a Total War, there would be like the massive technical change, and then there would be the iterative Total War, and it starts to follow that model. Yeah. And it always felt to me like Total War as a series begins to also pursue similar leaps that you saw with like from medieval to Rome. And did that, was that a conscious thing on the creative assembly side of like, Hey, what is our big new advance going to be this generation? Yeah. Yeah. That was, that's been conscious. Um, so, and you've got it exactly right. So we do, uh, evolutionary projects and we do re revolutionary projects. Uh, I, you know, I don't know if we'll ever make, well, there are, there is room for, a med one to Rome leap somewhere along the line. Um, mm. But that that's kind of a paradigm shift. So I don't know when we'll make the next paradigm shift. Um, that seems to me like you'd have to do something completely different with some sort of future tech, you know? Yeah. I, I, I think there, technology itself Despite the advances in, you know, NVIDIA cards right now are just ludicrous pieces of hardware. But despite those advances, the way that we make games hasn't really changed much. The things that we're aiming for hasn't changed much. There's not, I guess the big leaps are much harder to find. Mm -hmm. You know, when we were, yeah. you know, when 3D cards started going into machines, you know, massive leap could be made. Um, and I think we're going to have to see a bigger, um, hardware technological leap before we see another mighty software technological leap. I don't I can't imagine what that would be. Um, you know, processors are getting loads and loads of cores, but it's incredibly hard to reasonably exploit all these cores. And, you know, graphics cards are getting more and more juicy, but that's all about, you know, the appearance of the game rather than, you know, rather than rather than anything else. So yeah. I, I I I can't see what the next paradigm shift would be but then that's the nature of paradigm shift you don't you can't see it until it's upon you you know i mean one could think like vr or something yeah i'd love vr work. to work i really would i love it yeah but... a yeah yeah a a a r 
AR maybe, maybe. Better for, maybe better for Total War. I think VR would suit Total War, frankly. Um, you know, the being able to get in amongst the amongst the fights and or and, and but also to be able to fly above it and observe the battlefield. You know, yeah, that that, that would work. But I. I but then you're already talking about like such a more intense experience. I think the other part of Total War is there is a feeling of like kicking back a bit with the game. And like when things get very tense, it can be a very tense series. Mm. But I think like VR, I've, I've dealt less with it, with AR, but VR certainly is the kind of a full body experience, full consciousness yeah. experience that can be a little bit draining in odd ways. Um, yeah, but AR, AR though, AR kind of seems like a natural mate for Total War in a way tabletop you know there's all you guys on the tabletop who knows so one of the things i want to talk a little bit about though is to a degree rome also becomes um like i think it's a lot of people's favorite total war um it's certainly a lot of people's like the one that sort of was their holy shit moment of Mm. like suddenly realizing all that's possible with total war uh but i think the flip side is a lot of people have like Rome exists in the special place because I don't think I've played it since like 2010 or so. Um, mm. And so to an extent, it can be very easy to forget that Rome didn't look or play like later Total War games. Um, yep. I think if you if you step back from Rome, uh, if you step back to Rome from like even Attila or something, you're, you're suddenly realizing like all the little changes uh, that have taken place between yeah. now and then. Yeah. I mean, I never, I never liked the, I mean, Rome, I love Rome. Uh, mm. It's probably my second favorite Total War game. Uh, Shogun 2? But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the, the control mechanism, I never liked in Rome. And in fact, at the time, I was quite against it. But. Actually, Kevin, though, uh, mm. while I have you, we can just talk a little bit about this. So, so Shogun 2 is, is your favorite? Yeah, that you've worked favorite. on or of all time? Uh, of, of all time, perhaps. You know, but we've, had, we've had loads of great Total War games, uh, which I love, like Troy, Warhammer, uh, Three Kingdoms, etc. But, I mean, it's part, part of it is, of course, because of how involved I was with that particular game. You know, Mike Simpson... Whenever anything was going wrong on the development of Shogun 2, you reminded me Shogun 2 is an art-led project. So <laughs> it does it does feel like an art-led project. I think yeah. around through is ahead we end up talking a lot about the big internal dividing line but in in our little group is whether or not we feel Three Kingdoms finally edged it out hmm. um or whether Shogun is kind of still our favorite, and I think we'll need a few years distance from yeah, Three Kingdoms exactly. to fully. Time will tell. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I mean, I'm, I'll be biased about it though forever. So, um, just because after, well, after Shogun, actually after after Rome two, then um, uh, we started doing multiple projects, and then at that point, um, I became just the basically the, the art director across the whole. Um, brand, so I, I don't work on any on specific projects anymore. Um, but that was, yeah, I had a lot. Is of, that as rewarding? Oh, uh, it's you know, it's it's different. It's not as re- rewarding artistically, but it's rewarding to have, because it's it's all about helping people develop, really. Mm-hmm. So that side of it's rewarding, helping you know people become better artists and better art directors. Uh, but artistically, you know, 
being able being able to make your stamp on a project. Uh, it's quite you can rewarding. look at Shogun too and see. Yeah, I could say like if I was, you know, if, if it wasn't me doing it, then it would have been completely different. Um, uh, so I'm, I'm curious in terms of like favorite all time Total War project. Um, well, besides like, Shogun Two, <laughs> are you yeah. also in the Shogun oh, yeah. Two? Camp? Shogun Two was fantastic. It was it was it, yeah. it was great. We we got a new production process. We just introduced. Um, so we. Getting assets into games is really easy if you've got the right tools. But until Shogun 2, we didn't have any tools. Everything was done by a, a hodgepodge of command line tools. And, and mm. there were people, you know, artists had big sheets of A4 with instructions oh. on how to move things in. In, in, in Rome 1, I mean, I, uh, you know, as also being the lead artist, I was also kind of like the lead environment artist in Rome 1. And I, uh, to get a building into the game was nigh on impossible. And I had to edit at like, 40,000 line long text file and get all the syntax perfect to add. Actually, I had to edit five text files and then one of them was like 40,000 lines long um, to get a building into the game. But with Shogun 2, that changed. And, and that was, I, I, I was very, I, I was really quite concerned and very keen that we get the, I, I, I created a tools team for Shogun 2 just so that we could do this. Um, and it did. It did make the difference. Um, yeah. The the the, you know, the iterations were much shorter, and that 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 we were able to develop so much more efficiently. Yeah, and you know, we did Shogun too. Um, so we had a very small pre-production on that with just a couple of people, uh, me and I think Jamie Ferguson, a couple other people, like four or five people, um, for three months pre-production, and then we did Shogun two in nine months. Believe yeah. it. With a with not a huge team, nine months. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah, that was, that was a big win that game. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about the sheer amount. I think that's probably still my most played. If you if you add in uh, Fall of the Samurai and Shogun Two, I probably spent more time playing Shogun Two uh, than than any of them. Um, and one of the things that makes Shogun Two such a great game to play anyway is that the because it's set on a big island. You know, the boundaries are well-defined. It's very easy to divide the game up into chunks. You get the divided realm incident. And, you know, there, there's, there's all sorts of easy wins in there to make it, a, make it a great game to play anyway. And the variety, the variety of combat is great. It's, it's, you know. I did. Yeah. This actually reminds me of a question I forgot to ask, which is that um, Rome is the star of Rome Total War. Um, they've got, it always felt like they had the most speeches. They've got the coolest outfits. Yep. Um, they have late game scaling technologies, uh, that help them. I am curious, did it hit a point as you're looking at that map of, uh, Western Northern Europe where you're like, shit, we got to find another barbarian faction. We got to give another identity to another group of like, of, of Celts that you're just going to roll over. Um, like, oh, we had goals, you know. Whatever, one stinking barbarian is the same as the next, surely. Yeah, it's all about beards. <laughs> yeah, Romans didn't have beards. <laughs> Only barbarians have beards. Yeah, I say, I say that as being somebody who's like half Celtic, half, half Slavic. Uh, <laughs> um. So, but but I was thinking about like the the gauzy memories of Rome Total War. Um, and I was sort of thinking about Rome Remastered coming out and 
I think I'm actually talking to some of that team tomorrow to, to sort of discuss, like, I'm very curious what people make of Rome remastered. Like, in, it, just in terms of if, it, if it's that faithful, a reproduction of the um, original game, like, a lot has changed. But I think one of the other things that occurred to me as I started watching this uh, sort of roll out is that this feel that Rome is still the Rome game in Total War history and that like Rome 2 even though it's sold very well as I understand it like doesn't win that kind of allegiance um and I'm curious like does it kind of feel like Rome is a championship a champion who left the ring before they could ever be uh defeated um Maybe that way. I mean, um, the, the problem the problem with Rome Two was it's uh, it was not the quality that we'd want on release. You know, after seventeen patches in a year, it's pretty it's pretty good. So, but it's it kind of has this tarnished reputation because of that. But I think it's actually a pretty damn good game now. Um, but again, it's one of those yeah. games that, that it, it got better as we got more time to fix it. Yeah, but, you know the the. the yeah. I say we have an excellent deal with our publishers, and we absolutely do, but ultimately we do have to deliver games on time. They give us money, and they say, can we have this game on this date, please? And we go, yeah, yeah. All right. here you are, here's a game. But I'm going to say that we said it was okay to go out. No, well, we didn't really push back. Like, we did get extra time already on, on Rome 2. So yeah, we did. Don't get me wrong, we already got an extra year on Rome 2. But we needed an extra two years, apparently. Yeah. Um, well, I am... That actually raises something interesting. Some some developers I talk to, and they say they basically always know what the issues with the game are when it goes out the door. That they're very rarely surprised by reviews um, in terms of what gets brought up. Some other people I talk to are like, you know, they're constantly being sort of caught off guard mm-hmm. by like what resonates with people or yeah. what people don't like. I'm curious, just internally, how good a feeling does do, does the Total War team usually have about like? what people are going to make of this thing once it's living in the wild? Well, things are different now. So, mm-hmm. I mean, back then, yeah. we had people from PC Game, you know, coming in and taking a look and saying, oh, this is nice. And um, we do work more closely with reviewers and critics to, you know, to, we like getting opinion as early as we can um, because we want to sell the game that people want to play. You know, we do all our market research, but you can only go so far with that. Yeah. Um, yep. It's good to be able to you know, to, 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 to get a steer on what's going on. So some sometimes a kind of left field issue with the game will gain traction once it's released, which is unexpected. Um, uh, and I guess sometimes we just miss stuff that we should have known. Yeah, when better. you're right up close to it, you miss things. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So hard to so, say. So as we're looking at, uh, Total War Rome Remastered uh, coming out because they, you know, it's brand compliant now. It's Total War Rome Total Remastered. Total War Rome, yeah. Uh, but I, 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 I kind of wonder what hope, what, what do you hope people get from revisiting this game? Like, would it be bittersweet if people are like, yeah, this is the real, this is the real Total no. War we've been missing um, all these years? Well, I don't know, Guy, if you've had any relationship with Farrell working on it, but I've worked like, well, kind of from a arm's length on it, but I have definitely worked on it, and they've, you know, definitely followed my direction on 
certainly the art style and bounce things off of me. So I'm pretty aware of what they've been doing. We handed um, over the source code, uh, so there wasn't really much for us to do. Um, you know, we we wrote good code that they could pick up and and uh, pick up and play. Um, the kind of work that they had to do was to was there's a lot of foundational work to do with interacting with the operating system and the graphics cards and things like that. So yeah. there wasn't much to do on the actual gameplay mm. stuff that, that is visible. Yeah. I've yet to see, uh, and I, I didn't work with them at all. I've yet to see ah, what changes okay. they've made. So. so, so I've been working with them, like you know, I would maybe get in contact with Feral once every two or three months about it, uh, and I've played builds during the course of development. Uh, so I'm, I'm quite pleased with it. And what I want to get out of it is, you know, because it's a game from a simpler time, you know, I, I hope that it can be a gateway into the rest of Total War. Absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah I, I think want, it's, a, it's a good game. Yeah, I want people to enjoy it. I, I want people, you know, in their 20s and 30s, well, actually, no, <laughs> 30s and 40s to go back and go, oh, I love this. I want it to be a big nostalgia hit. But also I want people to see that, you know, you you can make a game. You can make a good game with, you know, with a dozen people. You don't need a hundred people. It's it's all about, yeah. you know, a, a game is what you make. You can throw as many people as you like at a bad game. It'll still be a bad game. But, you know, if you've got a good game, if you've got a good idea, if you've got just a keen team ready to execute, you know, you can, you can do anything, really. And by the way, I think Feral's done a really good job with job. I think it's an improved experience um and it feels a much more it's like a modern version of rome total war and uh, i've quite enjoyed working with them and, and playing it so yeah i'm really pleased with everybody that. run out and buy it yep absolutely right now yes. all right uh, i think we will leave it there we hope you've enjoyed the show uh Total War Rome Remastered comes out April 29th. This episode was produced by Keith Carberry. Three Moves Ahead is hosted on the Idle Thumbs Network. You can learn more about the show and discuss this episode with our community at threemovesahead.net or follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash 3MA. Finally, Three Moves Ahead is supported by listeners just like you on Patreon this month. Our our $5 packers will uh, hear me and Troy dig into two Roman epics. We didn't even plan this. Uh, but we ended up watching Clo- uh, Quo Vadis and Gladiator and uh, discussing why both are such archetypal representatives of the genre. You also hear me sing the praises of the great Peter Ustinov, uh, who I call the Jeff Goldblum of the 1950s. <laughs> so check it all out on Patreon, patreon.com slash 3MA. We'll be back next week with another episode of Three Moves Ahead. Until then, uh, for Guy, for Kevin, this is Rob Zachney saying goodnight.